So I am currently sitting in the dark on the floor of my closet doing this recording on my cell phone um, because the Atme studios are closed and I learned in one of my multimedia classes uh, a semester or so ago that recording in your closet is actually a wonderful place to do audio recordings because your clothes insulate other sounds and um, keeps things from echoing so that's where I'm doing this right now which I always feel super ridiculous talking into a phone or a microphone um, in the dark in my closet and my roommates always thought I was completely insane if my mom walks in here right now she's probably going to say something similar from Alaska Teen Media Institute this is podcast in place youth stories from quarantine a series about youth in Alaska during the COVID-19 pandemic We're bringing you stories, interviews, and audio diaries from teenagers and young adults stuck indoors without anything else to do. I'm Atme producer Rowan Pickard, recording this on my computer in my humble abode, since our main Atme studio is closed for the time being. Today we'll be hearing from Atme producer Danielle DeClose. This spring, she was a sophomore at the University of Missouri, where she studied journalism and political science. She also worked as a public health and safety reporter for the campus newspaper, The Missourian. Danielle was unsure what to do when the pandemic shut down her campus. Her job still required her to work, and she was thousands of miles from her home state of Alaska. Here she is, recorded in her closet on May 18th, 2020. Where to even begin with how this pandemic has completely uprooted everything I had planned? I remember we were covering some Chinese New Year's event and um, they ended up canceling and postponing it because Mizzou has a really massive exchange program with China. And so because of coronavirus, it really hadn't come to the U.S. yet, but it was definitely exploding in um, Wuhan at the time. So they decided to cancel. And I remember we were having a class once. And in my reporting class, we do these things called ethics moments. And it's where you discuss an ethical decision and um, something that like a reporter had to figure out or talk through with an editor um, during the reporting process for a story. And one of my classmates and fellow reporters on my beat did one uh, story about someone who had been in Wuhan and traveled through the train station there a few weeks before um, we had returned to class. If I remember correctly, the story was about how the coronavirus was worrying Chinese exchange students at Mizzou about um, possible discrimination um, and also just how that will affect them and their families because they are living in Missouri going to school while there is a outbreak of a very serious disease in their home country. Um, And so we were talking about whether we should use the student's name or not and give him an anonymity um, in order to protect him from possible backlash or discrimination from the community and we ended up giving him anonymity because of that but when that story was being written I think that was in January we were all really new reporters and the pandemic wasn't a pandemic yet it was very much so isolated to um, that area of the world 
And then as the months progressed, I remember it was the week before spring break. And I had an email that was saying classes were canceled for the last few days. And then we had one more week and then spring break. And we got an email that Friday that at like 7 p.m. I was in an interview with um, one of my friends. She was interviewing me for a project and we both looked at our phones and saw that at 7 p.m. we had gotten an email from I think it was the chancellor or the system president or whatever that school had been canceled for the rest of the semester and so I was like okay you know what that's not the end of the world I'll pack up my stuff and just go home for the semester um with my ticket back for spring break and that'll be okay it will be a pain in the butt to have to move out of my apartment and everything because I don't have a car or any family that live in the area but you know it was doable and then that Saturday morning I remember I was like, I got to wake up early because I got to start packing. And I had an email from the journalism faculty chair and it basically said, well, in-person labs and lectures have been canceled, but that doesn't apply to those of you working in a professional newsroom on campus. And that would be me working at the Missourian. And so I just remember reading that and thinking, okay, whoa, so classes are canceled, including the class that I'm currently in. But I still have to report in person at the Missourian. I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, how can that be possible? I understand, you know, the entire newsroom staffed by students. So you can't just have the paper collapse because of this. But I didn't really see how it was even going to be possible for me to stay because my roommates were leaving. I lived off campus in an apartment. I didn't have a car. I relied on them for driving me around and my apartment complex had a shuttle service and that was completely shut down because of um, what the school canceling classes as well and just safety reasons and so they shut down the shuttle and I had no way to get around or even get food and I was like my roommates are going to be moving back home for the semester probably like what the heck am I supposed to do I can't even get to the newsroom and there's no way like I'm going to be paying you know, $12 per Uber ride to get to campus or get around town. And it just was completely like, I didn't want to be isolated alone in an apartment building, a dingy apartment building with cockroaches, if we're being in all honesty, (laughs) the status of where I was living. But I just remember being like, completely feeling very helpless in the moment. Um, And so I called my mom, and she just said, you have to ask for help, like you have to speak up you have to talk to them and let them know your situation that you live in Alaska and that traveling back and forth isn't really an option for you and I don't have any family and so I sent an email to my advisor to my editor and to the faculty chair and we started those discussions and I remember there was a lot of ideas being tossed around that reporters were going to move into the empty dorm rooms from people moving out and we're going to have a Missourian dorm. And I was like, well, I can't afford to pay for a dorm room because I'm already paying rent and I can't afford for like a meal plan or whatever. And so there was all these crazy ideas. And in the end, I got an email updating us a few days later. Um, I think it was that Wednesday or something that we could still report remotely but if you for certain classes but if you were a reporter like for a newspaper um that you couldn't really do that remotely and 
so I was really crushed and I was like I have to drop this class I've worked so hard the Missourian is kind of a, a demanding class as I bet many of my classmates and fellow reporters would say it's like you can only take 12 credits with the course and because it's so demanding um and you're required to spend like 20 to 25 hours a week working there and I was thinking well if I drop this class I'm not going to be a full-time student and my scholarships require that I'm a full-time student and then I'm going to lose my scholarships and I'm not going to be able to go to school here anymore because I can't afford to go to school if I don't have my scholarships and so I just started kind of like freaking out (laughs) about everything and I was like they can't force me to drop this class they can't force me to stay because that's not even a feasible option to me for me and I just was feeling very frustrated and very much so like I didn't have really any good options but I worked with my editor and the newsroom was so wonderful and they were like nope we're gonna make this work you'll report remotely everyone was reporting remotely um and during all this time you know you're doing other classes online I was still reporting for the Missourian and then I was like okay I have to move out of my apartment and I didn't know where to put any of my stuff because I wasn't staying in that apartment um the following year and like next year I wasn't planning on staying there so I moved all of my stuff out into my friend's apartment who I'm moving hopefully going to be moving in with next year at this point I mean I haven't signed my lease because I don't even know what's going to happen or if I'll be returning in the fall um but that's another story so I basically just moved everything out (laughs) in complete chaos trying to do like zoom classes and then just hopped on a plane and came home for spring break and changed my flight to have a return flight in August instead of the following week and I mean I appreciate that Mizzou like just made the call and just canceled classes because then there wouldn't have been the doubt of me needing to come back but they didn't really make a plan for how to execute that so that created a lot of chaos but I do remember traveling in two international airports was a little nerve-wracking on my flight from Kansas City to Seattle there were like 17 of us on board and they spread us out, you know, so that no one was sitting in front of me, no one was sitting behind me, no one was in the row across from me. All the flight attendants had masks and gloves on, and they wouldn't even hand you any um, drinks or anything. They would put it on the tray table next to you. And then I got to Seattle, and I was like, and at that time, Washington was pretty, it was one of the, the worst places in, in the U.S. at the time. Um, and I just remember walking around, looking at people. I didn't have a mask or really gloves or anything, because um, those, those provisions really hadn't been pushed out yet, and I (laughs) just remember looking at people who would come within six feet of me, and just being like, what are you doing, like, back up, like, get away from me, or someone who would look at me to sit down, like, with one chair between us, I would just stare at them, and (laughs) they decided not to sit down, because I was, I was generally kind of worried about getting it, my mom's not, she didn't have an underlying condition, but she's, um, approaching 60, Um, and so I was, you know, worried that I might bring it back and infect her. Um, and so then I got on my flight to Anchorage and I love Alaskans that were, (laughs) were just so friendly. (laughs) The flight was completely packed. No one was social distancing. I mean, it was really impossible. No one was wearing gloves. No one was wearing masks. Everyone was leaning over into your personal space, even when it wasn't quite necessary. It was just complete chaos and I just remember coming back and I don't think I even hugged my mom I think I told her she had to wait until I showered (laughs) before I would let her hug me and I didn't want her touching any of my luggage or anything um and so then I did do the self-isolation for 14 days um 
and I didn't get sick, didn't show any symptoms, but doesn't mean I never had it, so that'll be interesting to see <laughs> once we get those antibody tests to see if I ever did pick it up, but um, then I had spring break, which was wonderful to be able to just decompress because that was an insanely stressful time I had a couple dreams during spring break about me needing to like book a plane ticket where I was like missing my flight and I remember (laughs) being completely nowhere near the airport in all these dreams like I would look at my phone and be like wow my plane is taking off right now and I would be just like doing something that had nothing to do with packing or trying to get to the airport Um, and that's when I knew I was a little stressed I had been a little bit stressed about the whole situation Um, and so then school starts back up after I have my week off and I'm still reporting at the Missourian but now I'm three hours behind and so a lot of my classes some of them didn't even meet anymore they did like video lectures but my reporting class we were going to be meeting on zoom every day when our class started at 9 30 or 6 30 here in Alaska and my professor was also my editor so she um she noticed when I wasn't in class so I got up every day at 6 for that class, and I tried to make it to my 7 a.m., which was 10 a.m. I am not a morning person, but I definitely turned into one because of all of this, and with reporting and everything, I um, just had to learn uh, how to just make it work. You know, you just make it work, and the newsroom was really supportive and wonderful, and all of my fellow reporters were really encouraging. Um... But I will say it was, I mean, the Missourian is a very stressful class and a stressful time. Um, And then to be doing all of that remotely. um, And I was on the public health and safety beat, which, of course, it was like everything was coronavirus and everything I covered had to do with coronavirus. And I just would spend all day at my computer looking up articles and studies by the CDC and talking to infectious disease experts um, at MU Healthcare and going to webinars about covid and all this stuff and then i my mom loves to sit down and watch the pbs news hour at six o'clock every night that's what she likes to do and it would just be non-stop covid and i <laughs> told her i cannot watch this and we are not going to be watching this um we need to sit at the table and eat dinner instead of watching the news because i'm going crazy with all this covid19 stuff and i was just feeling very inundated with COVID-19 I did so many stories about spread and other facets that it was um, affecting and now we're finally starting to we've changed our coverage to expand a little bit more and I'm I finished my semester strong and my professors were pretty understanding which was great but um, it definitely was really hard just being inside stuck to my computer on Slack and all these different messaging platforms waiting to hear from editors or sources and things like that. And so even if I wanted to take a break, I felt like I couldn't step away from my computer because I was just glued to it waiting for responses or waiting for um, different things or meetings. But yeah, I um, did a lot of hiking. I've done a lot of hiking and that's been helping keeping me sane since Alaska's been doing so well with covid it's it's a different experience, especially to be reporting on a community. Um, Missouri isn't as hard hit as anywhere like New York, but we definitely have way more cases than um, in Missouri than we do here in Alaska. Uh, and reporting on a community in an intimate way about intimate things that are happening there and not being there is was really a challenge for sure. 
um, and not even being in Missouri because it's just I felt so detached from it. And then being in Alaska, I just feel kind of like it's not 100% happening here either because of how um, like few cases we have. And I spend so much time outside and I don't go to stores. I don't go out into public. And I remember going into um, a store and just being kind of like freaked out by all the masks and all the stuff that was missing and just being like oh wow like I've been living in my little bubble where I do report on what's happening and I'm following the news um but I I hadn't really been like experiencing it firsthand I'm officially done with my semester and I'm today actually I started my internship at the um, Anchorage Daily News so I'm excited to be able to cover my community here in um Anchorage you know, I keep saying things to my mom, like, well, you know, they always say this, like, we live in the post-9-11 age, we're gonna be living in the post-COVID age, and talking about post-COVID and pre-COVID, because, you know, some people say, well, this really isn't that big of a deal, but, I mean, it, it really is, it was, in- it's been incredible being able to report remotely um, through a pandemic as a 19-year-old college student, covering things like how it affects gun violence, and the massive increase in gun sales in Missouri, um, because of fears about the pandemic and then how it's been affecting, um, survivors of domestic violence and how, you know, whether people should be wearing masks or not and just all of these different facets of how it impacts people. And I think that has been really good to help me keep grounded, um, seeing, you know, how lucky I am to be doing so well right now. But I definitely miss my friends in Columbia. I feel like I just rushed out the door and and just said, see ya next semester, maybe, question mark. Um, but I don't know. I've, I've thought about it a lot because my school hasn't made the call. I have some friends who go to school in California and they're, they've already canceled for the fall. And I don't know if I will go back in the, if, we, if we cancel classes and still do them online I don't know if I'll take a semester off and even if we don't cancel classes I don't know what I'm gonna do um so I feel like I'm kind of in limbo but um I'm really happy to be home with my mom and and my labradoodle and um my sister just graduated college and so she is going to be coming home which will be really nice I didn't get to see her graduate which was awful but um you know things will get better I do, I do believe that, and Alaskans will, will, will be okay. That was at me producer Danielle DeClose. If you're interested in reading some of the reporting she's been doing at her college, you can go to ColumbiaMissourian.com. You've been listening to Podcast in Place, Youth Stories from Quarantine from Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Devin Schreckengost. Stay tuned for more stories from quarantined youth. You can also find these stories at alaskateenmedia.org, where we have also included resources for youth during quarantine as part of a partnership with the State of Alaska Division of Behavioral Health. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including United Way of Anchorage, the National Endowment for the Humanities, and the Rasmussen Foundation through the Arts and Education Fund, administered under contract by the Alaska State Council on the Arts. Thanks also to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Anchorage and help keep our podcast going, you can donate to our organization by going to alaskateenmedia.org and clicking Donate. 
Also on our website, you can learn more about what our organization does, listen to past episodes of our podcast, or find out how you too can get involved. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Rowan Pickard. Thanks for listening, stay safe out there, and let's get through this together.